you're listening to a message from Kaleo Phoenix, a church plant in downtown Phoenix that creates space for people to practice the ways of Jesus together. Be in this new space, to be in, when, when I first chose this day, I didn't know this was going to be the first day here at the new space. And I'm like, uh, are you sure you aren't going to do it? I feel like y'all are way more qualified, but here we are. So um, thank you guys for sharing this special day with Kaleo. I think it's just going to be um, a beautiful opportunity for the next year to really cultivate some new connections, to cultivate the connections we already have in a space that is so special. This is such a special place in our community, in our beloved community, so I'm really excited about it. Um, I, uh, Holy Spirit has been talking to me and I, I think this is like one of the most nervous times I have is, is this message because it's probably not a big deal, but I make things a big deal sometimes. Um, but you know, I was thinking like about something and I was, I grabbed a book and it's, it's not a biblical book. It's not a that's not like a a theological book at all. But I love how nature and science and business, all kinds of things, everything points to God. And so I was like, we're going to run with it. I want to start with this scripture, John 16. 13, starting at verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And this phrase that the Holy Spirit just kept dropping in my spirit for like, um, I don't know if it's been two weeks now illuminated Christianity. And I'm like, what? Why? This seems a little more daunting than I have fleshly courage for. What is? What do you mean by illuminated Christianity? Like, who am I to be thinking up things like this? But, um... Good thing it's not me. Amen. It's it's the Holy Spirit. And so I want to talk about that. I, I researched it a little bit. And I'm like, well, is this already a thing? And there is the doctrine of illumination. And biblical illumination in, in, in the traditional sense. But I, I think what um, the Holy Spirit would be pointing us towards is very... Uh, sensitive to um, what we're going through right now, what we're going through as a collective body. Um, So yeah, and this is going to be short, but um, I I just want to just maybe flesh this out a bit as God um, showed me. So we know that God illuminates our path to, to understanding his word. 
not only that, um, but he's equipped our apostles, our prophets, our evangelists, our shepherds, and teachers for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. And he also illuminates our darkness. Psalms 18 and 28, for it is you who lights my lamp. The Lord, my God, lightens my darkness. God enlightens us. The Bible says in Ephesians 1 and 17 that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which we are called. And so God just keeps depositing this concept on, on my conscious every day, illuminated Christianity. And it brings me to a concept we're well aware of, which is deconstructed Christianity, which I, I think brought a lot of us here. And almost taking that a step forward, morsel by morsel, the Holy Spirit has been showing me something in, in a scripture that was shared in a morning sermon that I, I heard this morning because God just loves to drop everything last minute on me. And I'm like, okay, this, is, this was the piece that I was missing. Is Psalm 104, 10 through 12. And I encourage you to read this psalm on your own. It's a, it's a long one. I'm not going to read it all. But this is what was shared this morning. It talks about how great God is. But it says this. He makes springs pour water into ravines. It flows between the mountains. And this is the clencher. They give water to all the beasts in the fields. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the sky nest by the waters. They sing among the branches. It's God who makes those springs, right? But those springs, it says, the, the Bible says they give water. They provide nourishment. They provide rest. They provide shelter. They provide um, the waters that these birds sing, sing by. They rejoice. They're happy. This and plenty of other scriptures found in the Bible speak to this type of beloved community. This vital, absolutely crucial community. Um, and if we are not careful, we can like get all these other scriptures, which I think a lot of uh, other spinoffs do. They get a lot of these scriptures, scriptures and they forget how important beloved community is in our faith. And we have all these worship songs that talk about I and me and and you know, all of, everything, you know, all is possible with God and all of these just, you know, just these messages that, these micro messages, these micro, you know, I don't know, I don't want to call them aggressions, but just these things that kind of chip away 
from this bigger picture of God. Now, we will admittedly never in our mortal flesh understand the grandeur of God, but within the small window that we look out of to see God, how, how much more clear can our view become? And it, that's the question, I guess, especially in extreme times like this. Um, I was just reading an article that these right-wing Christians in Kentucky are building like a real estate startup for a community that is sheltered from this insane culture that they want to get away from. And, you know, just, and to have that type of utopian society um, mirrored in other states. And so we're going to see that. We're going to see more and more of those utopian, Protestant, Christian, whatever Christian, say it again. Yes, the Christian nationalists just replicate in cities and states all over this country. And it's, and it's bold and it's in your face and it's also discreet. Like they uncovered this community, but we're going to see that. And it, it, you know, it's not even extreme. Like what is extreme anymore? We've seen so much extreme. (laughs) Um, So I just, I I feel like the Holy Spirit is like, let's be sober-minded again, and lest we forget that God's word isn't here for us just to light up our own individual darkness. When the Holy Spirit dropped, illuminated, illuminated Christianity into my conscience, into my spirit, it was an illumination of our individual walk in context with our brothers and sisters and beloved community. It wasn't just illuminating the steps that I'm taking as a believer. I'm believing for me. I'm believing for my family. I'm believing for my daughters. I'm believing for my son. I'm believing for this for me. I'm believing for that. No, it's it's so much. It's bigger than that. And and, and all these messages we get on on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and TikTok, all of this, you know, do what's right for you, do this, do you, do blah, blah, blah. It's, you know, and it's, you know, there, uh, there's just hints of deception in all of it. And it would take a lot to un- uncover. And I think we could all speak to that really well, but I just, I don't know. And then again, there are just so many scriptures that speak to this community, so many that we know and love. Um, it's just that the Psalm in Psalm 104, it just like slapped me and it was, and it illuminated me like a baseball field, you know, a baseball field at night. It's like so bright, right in there. And it's like, even if you're flying in on a plane over a city, you see that baseball field. Um, And I would venture to say that that's the kind of light on a hill God wants us to be. And we can't do that alone. We can't do that just one one little light bulb. That's community. That's where the community comes in. Um, And and so at this moment, I do want to consider, I want to consider my broader fellowship with our beloved image bearers, 
the world over? And this is a hard question, but I, I hear, where is God? It's a hard question, and it's a question that I hear right now. But I believe that if we would let God illuminate, you know, our window, our small window of the world, we will begin to see him more. First Corinthians um, 12 says, there is one body. Wait, let me actually pull it up, the whole scripture, really quick. Because I had it, and I have it in my notes. Look at it, and go read it. Sorry. First um, Corinthians 12, there's one body, but it has many parts. But all its many parts make up one body. It is the same with Christ. We are all baptized by one Holy Spirit, and so we are formed into one body. It didn't matter whether we were Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free people. We were all given the same spirit to drink. So the body is not made up of just one part. It has many parts. And I want to skip over to verse 20, 21 and, and going to the end. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, it is just the opposite. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are the ones we cannot do without. The parts that we think are less important, we treat with special honor. The private parts that aren't shown, we treat with special care. The parts that can, that can be shown don't need special care. But God has put together all the parts of the body, and he has given more honor to the parts that didn't have any. In that way, the parts of the body will not take sides. This is what, this is what I think God really wants us to, to get. All of them will take care of one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part shares in its joy. You are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. And so with, with that, I, when I grabbed this book, um, it's called Ruthlessly Caring. And it's about business. But it's by a, a woman named Amy, Amy Cohen. Ruthlessly Caring as Leaders. And she talks about compassion. And so I was like, okay, we're going to talk about this. Let's break, it, let's break it down a bit. Like, what does it mean if one part suffers, every part suffers with it? And how can we do this well? How can we do this well with stewarding our own minds, stewarding our own bodies and mental health well, while still stewarding our beloved community well? So... She breaks down the, the meaning of compassion, which in its Latin origin means co-suffering. Putting yourself in someone's shoes and getting in the trenches with them. And I would venture to say, like I heard, I heard Jay-Z one time say, like, sorry. He said, like, I can take anyone's perspective and write a flow. I can take anyone's perspective and, and treat it like it's my own. I would say that's mocking. I would say if you're not getting in the trenches, you're not emotionally like going through it with a person, that's some dangerous ground to walk. And I'm sure this was many years ago, so I'm sure he's changed. 
He did. He did help produce Book of Clarence. Okay. Um, but but yeah. So getting you're putting yourself in someone's shoes, getting in the trenches with them. Oh my gosh, that's some dirty work. That can be ugly. That can be uncomfortable. It can be very inconvenient to my schedule to do that. It's almost sometimes it might feel like paying the price for something you didn't do. What? And that kind of brings me back to the cross. Jesus paying the price for something, being tempted in all things, didn't sin. But empathetic concern for someone suffering coupled with taking wise action to help. Wise action. Not like, okay, my neighbor, she's going to, she's, you know, she's gotten the foreclosure sign and she needs a thousand dollars and I got 1500 and I got to pay my own bills and I got to pay, I'm going to give her the thousand. That might not be super wise. There may be other resources and you may be able to help, but of course, yeah, I mean, being wise with taking the action to help. And she goes on to break down, which I think is great. Research. I love research. But research shows four key skills are required when you're acting upon compassion. Number one, cognitive empathy. The ability for perspective taking. Perspective. So again, putting yourself in someone's shoes. And that by, that could be really challenging for some of the people God may be leading you to help. But God, in his amazing Holy Spirit, can absolutely do that. And I find that the most powerful way I can, I can do that is when I'm praying for that person. When I'm praying for that person, it's like, oh my gosh. He gives me sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes he gives me a window like what they might be feeling. Maybe not everything they've done. God don't, God, you know, it's, it's not in my business, but like feeling what they feel or feeling the feelings behind why they did what they did. Like, I don't understand why this person did that. Like what? I would never do that. Right. But cognitive empathy powered by the Holy Spirit. That's my two cents. Number two, emotional empathy the ability to share in someone's emotional experience. The ability to share in someone's emotional experience. It's almost like when, um, whenever I have like a, a teacher-student relationship with someone or maybe a mentor-mentee relationship with someone, I dare not be the only one that's giving. I dare not be the only one that's giving. And I dare not dishonor the person before me as a mentee or a student and think that she or he is the only one that's receiving something. The only way to authentic change is if both of you are exchanging because they are also an image bearer of God. And there's something that you need to lest we forget. Then one of my favorite pastors from Jersey, he always yells when he preaches and he spits a lot. 
And he always says this, and I love it. He says, there go I, but for the grace of God. And honestly, like, yeah, for sure. Look at, you know, I sometimes God brings me around, like, it reminds me of a, a circle that I've made in my life. Like, um, I, for example, like driving past a job that fired me really like really bad firing and 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 it's like wow like if i hadn't gone through that i wouldn't know what to pray for it's just um yeah just being able to share that experience number 3 distress tolerance so for self-guarding for being wise is the ability to avoid being overwhelmed by negative emotions as we, I mean, sometimes it's not possible. And sometimes our greatest accomplishment for the day is is breathing, is showing up and just not being in bed or showing up and like having our eyes open and, you know, checking in with people like, hey, how are you doing? It's okay to say, I'm here, you know, and... um but but to in but to work towards that because this is dirty work walking in someone's shoes that God has put in front of you sometimes they're muddy sometimes they have holes in them and sometimes the path is thorny so having that strength of mind is going to be important as we do this work. And 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 number 4, non-judgment. The ability to not be condemning or critical of others. Oh my gosh. That's a hard one for me. Even though I've been through you know, I've been through homelessness, I've been through joblessness, I've been through near being kicked out of my apartment, I've been through repossessions of my cars I've been through it a lot I've been through like single motherhood and teen pregnancy and what there's a lot <laughs> and it and still I find myself judging like what and it's just so easy and, and so I think that if we you know if we aren't careful it's something that it's almost like a knee-jerk reaction, like, oh, my gosh, I would never wear that. Oh, my gosh, I would never do that. What? She said that to her kids? Like, what? You know, you just don't know. Um, and so that compassion, as we keep this in mind, as one part suffers, we, every part suffers in it. Ruthlessly caring. Oh, my gosh, how daring is that? How provocative ruthlessly caring, um, meeting people where they are and listening carefully and accepting reality for what it is. Um, and then let me just quickly find my place. Yep. So... Just in conclusion, so we're going to be short here, and I'm, I'm doing a good job, I think. Okay, cool. 
Um, Jesus says, as we embark, as we make a fresh commitment to this ruthless caring of people that goes so against the grain of popular culture, that behold, Jesus said this to them, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, even in the valley of the shadow of death, is he with us. So it's time to start acting like one body. It's time to start acting like a part of a whole. It's time to start acting like the branches of one vine. It's time to start behaving like the flowing streams of one spring. It's time to make space. That's the one thing that Clarence said in the book of Clarence. I love that movie. One thing that Clarence said to his mom when he was walking up the hill carrying his cross, he turned to his mom and said, make space. And so I pray that we make space for our brothers and sisters who are suffering, that we would replace our hearts of stone with hearts of flesh to feel that suffering, that where one of our brothers and sisters is being honored, we are feeling that joy, true joy for them. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this beautiful space. Thank you so much for Neighborhood Ministries. Thank you for Kaleo. Thank you for all of these beautiful souls in this room. God, thank you for all the families represented that these beautiful souls love and care about, that they bring into this space with them. God, we pray that you would replace our hearts of stone with hearts of flesh. God, we pray that you would help us to be honest about our own biases, our own prejudices, our own offenses, our own limitations, our own pretenses, our selfishness, and our pride. God, in this new year, in this new space, with all this great energy, in line with your Holy Spirit, we pray for the fruits of the Spirit. We pray for love, love for ourselves, so that we can in turn love our neighbor like ourselves. We pray for joy, not just for ourselves, but joy when our brothers and sisters are joyful, when they're being honored, when they're being praised, God. We pray that joy in us. We pray for an unspeakable joy. We pray for a peace that passes all understanding. We pray for the provocative fruits of joy like long-suffering. Some of us have to lean into that more. God, we pray for gentleness. Gentleness with ourselves and gentleness with each other. Gentleness with our colleagues, our co-workers, with our church friends, with our children, with our spouses, with our families, with our friends, with strangers on the internet, 
We pray for that gentleness. God, we pray for that goodness. God, would you fill up the cracks of our hearts, our broken hearts, with goodness? Would you fill up those of us with shattered dreams and broken minds sometimes? Would you fill it with goodness? God, would you fill our gaps with faith? Would you fill our voids with your faith? God, would you give us your meekness, Jesus? Teach us your ways about meekness. Lest we ever forget that there go us. But for the grace of God. And lastly, we pray for temperance. As we navigate these waters of ruthless caring as we navigate these waters of compassion. Compassion coupled with wise action, God. Would you grant us temperance that we don't make any hasty decisions. We don't make any decisions out of desperation, God. But that you give us peace and steadiness. Thank you so much for equipping us for what Kaleo is doing in 2024. Thank you for equipping us for what you are doing in our lives this day and on. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. For more resources or information about Kaleo, please visit our website at kaleophx.com or follow us on social media. If this episode has been helpful to you, let us know or share it with someone you know.